Hey, good morning, everyone. Welcome. I'm glad to see all you in the front row have learned your lesson and moved back. I spit a lot when I talk. So Shamu's show is not going to affect you today. Hey, my name's Garrett. I'm one of the pastors on staff here, and it's good to be with you guys this morning. We're in week three of a series called Savor. And the reason we're doing this series is because we want to stop and take an intentional look at all of the good things God's given us. Life can be tough, right? And we try and be honest and open about that here at this church and talk about some of the pain and stuff that happens in life. But we don't ever want to forget how good God is and that there are things, there are gifts that he give us that we just, we want to remember those intentionally and savor them. And so we thought as we go into summer, I think most of us in the Pacific Northwest, like we savor summer, right? Like, oh my God, it's finally here. We made it. So we want to use this as a chance to also remember the goodness of God. So last week, Jake talked on peace. If you didn't get a chance to hear that, I highly encourage you to go online and listen to it. It was awesome. This morning, I was supposed to talk on unity, and that's what I had been working on and planning toward. But after hearing his message and this illustration he used of Jesus and his disciples being on a boat and Jesus actually taking a nap during this crazy storm, I was like, man, I want that boat nap. So this morning, I'm going to talk on rest. We're going to dim the lights, we're going to hang out, have a little kindergarten nap. My, yeah. <laughs> yeah, see you guys, suddenly this is like a Pentecostal church, you guys are all excited, <laughs> talking back for the first time. Well, sorry, that was a joke, and I'm going to throttle you with scripture for 30 minutes, so buckle your seat, yeah, yeah. So we actually, we actually are going to cover a lot of ground this morning, and, uh, and so I am praying that I'm able to do it with clarity. Uh, but this is some really cool stuff, and we're going to talk about this gift of rest that God gave us. It actually is a commandment, one of the Ten Commandments that God gave us to observe what's referred to as Sabbath, this intentional day of rest. So that's what we're going to talk about this morning. And uh, here's the thing. It's an incredible gift that God gave us, but I'm just going to put words in your mouth and speak on your behalf I think rest is something we have a really tough time doing and experiencing in our life. And why? Because I think there's two main reasons. One, we're just busy all the time. Busy, 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 busy. Pack schedule, work is nuts, kids' sports and activities. My friends that have kids in baseball and soccer, I'm looking at some of them right now, like they're, I think they're about to lose their minds and their religion all at once just based on how crazy they are driving kids around doing this. Uh, maybe your septic tank broke and you're shin deep in unclean water. Yeah. Maybe that's just me this last weekend. I don't know. But if there's a plumber in here looking for a charity case, I'm your guy right here. And Tawny would like it if our yard smelled better. <laughs> this is a real story. <laughs> so we have a hard time resting because we're busy. But the other reason I think we have a tough time resting is because if we're honest with ourselves, sometimes we feel like we just can't let up. You can't take your foot off the gas because you don't want to drop a ball. You don't want things to slip through the cracks. And people depend on us. Bosses, friends, coworkers, teammates, spouses, children, parents, people are depending on us. And it's tough. If you're a business owner, you know full well if you ain't working, you ain't making money. And no one cares about the business as much as you do. It feels really tough to actually let up and relax. 
And I'm gonna be honest with you this morning, I am here speaking to you out of conviction. Uh, If you ask my wife, she will tell you rest is not something that Garrett does super well. And it's not out of this crazy drive to work and accomplish. It actually, if, again, if I'm being honest, it comes out of a place of insecurity and fear that if I get off my adrenaline high, I'm gonna lose my competitive edge and I'm gonna forget details and things are gonna slip through the cracks and I'm gonna let people down. That's the truth. And so I keep my mind spinning all the time up here and it doesn't take long to figure out that that's not healthy and it's not sustainable. So God's working on me. And he's helping me to understand how in the midst of a crazy busy life, I can personally, as your pastor who's sharing with you this morning, how I can experience rest. But I think there's good news and God's been revealing some really, really cool stuff to me. So again, my hope is that I can communicate clearly with the help of his Holy Spirit and that all of us together will have a revelation moment where we see the kind of rest that God intends for us, okay? So how do I, how do we savor this gift of rest that God's given us? I want to start today with a little bit of context and where this comes from. I I referred to the Ten Commandments. The fifth commandment of the Ten Commandments is thou shalt observe the Sabbath. So I'm going to read that scripture and we're going to start with a little bit of context of where this idea of Sabbath rest comes from, okay? Okay. So here we go. We're going to dive in. We're going to cover a lot of scripture today, starting with Deuteronomy 5, verse 12. Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. That means set apart, different. It means better. Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. As the Lord your God has commanded you, six days you shall labor and do your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to you, uh, Sabbath to the Lord your God. I think that's interesting. That's why I paused there. I want to make sure I read that right. It's a Sabbath to who? To the Lord your God. On it, you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your ox, your donkey, or any other animals, nor any foreigners residing in your towns, so that your male and female servants may rest as you do. Clearly, rest is important to God, right? He's got 10 slots, not a lot in the Ten Commandments. He chose to fill one of them with this idea of Sabbath rest. So it's important to him. But I think we misunderstand this. I think we misunderstand it in a few different ways. And I want to talk about what Sabbath is not. It's not a license to do nothing. It's not a license for laziness. Sabbath doesn't mean you can't wash your car or mow your lawn. It doesn't mean you have to take a long nap every Sunday or be inside the house with your family and your kids playing board games. Some of you might like that, but here's the reality in my house. My wife hates naps. If she takes a nap, she wakes up super grumpy. They are not restful to her. And I love my kids, but if I'm stuck inside the house with them all day playing board games, I'm just telling you it's anything but restful to me. So if that's what Sabbath is, It's not accomplishing its set out purpose in my family's life, okay? It's just not. And then we often hear that we need to rest just as God rested. God created the world in six days and on the seventh day he rested. And so we have this idea that we literally need to have a day that we do relatively nothing because God did nothing. And then I think a lot of us end up feeling really guilty about that because it doesn't feel like you can just take a day to do relatively nothing. And so we're in this vicious circle. But that's interesting to me. We think we need to rest on the seventh day because God rested on the seventh day. So let's, 
Let's go back even further than Deuteronomy. Let's go back to the creation account we find in Genesis, the book of Genesis, chapter two, okay, verses one through three. Here's what this says. Thus the heavens and earth were completed in all their vast array. Verse two, by the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day, and here it is again, he made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. What he rest from? All of the work of creating that he had done. The word rest here in the creation account, as well as in Deuteronomy, the root word is Shabbat. It's where we get the word Sabbath from. And it doesn't mean inactivity or relaxation. It doesn't mean that God needed to relax, come home from a hard day at the office and put his feet up on the coffee table and chill out. God's all powerful. He doesn't need to do that, right? This word rest, Shabbat, in the Bible means that there is a security, a completion, and a sense of wholeness. So when God finishes the divine work of creation and it's complete, there's equilibrium in the security and there's wholeness. We get this image of God ceasing his work and sitting back and admiring and enjoying his creation. When he ceased from his creative work, he rested, he sat back, he admired and said, it is good. And so he declared it as holy as different, as set apart, as better, because it's the day that you reflect on how good he is and all of his creation is. This is a different kind of day than the others. So this, in Genesis, is the original intent of Sabbath, to celebrate God in his creative power, okay? So the original intent for us is to sit back in awe of God, like, God, you are so good. Your creation is so beautiful, right? This is the original intent. Then it gains intent. More is added to it in Deuteronomy. Because here's the thing. In Genesis, everything is good. The way it was meant to be. His perfect will. Sin had not entered the picture yet. Brokenness had not entered the picture yet. We get to Deuteronomy, and there's different context here. Let's read verse 15 of Deuteronomy, and we're gonna see why God is giving this commandment to his people, okay? So Deuteronomy, verse 15, says this, remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, because of that, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath. It was a day to remember God's goodness and faithfulness to his people that without him, they would be stuck in slavery. And this is a slightly different picture than what we have in Genesis 2, right? What I was just saying, that it was good, it was perfect, sin hadn't entered the world. It's a different picture now. Now sin and brokenness has entered the world and God's chosen people have been stuck in slavery by a foreign people for over 400 years years and so God comes with a mighty hand and an outstretched arms and he saves them he redeems them he breaks the chains that bind them from their oppressor and he says look here's the deal 
you don't want and I don't want you to ever go back to that place. That's not what you were made for. That was not what you were designed to do. That is not my intent for your life to be trapped up in bondage and enslaved. And so I saved you. But here's the thing. It's different human than what we had in Genesis 2. God knows their tendency now is to go backwards, not forwards, to fall back into their old habits, to believe lies that they had been told. Are you tracking with me here? This is incredible as you look at the threads of scripture and how God weaves this whole story together. It's just fascinating. And so God builds into their lives a regular rhythm, a weekly rhythm, every seventh day. Like this is how hard it is for you guys to remember. So every seventh day, we're gonna take this holy Sabbath idea and we're gonna add to it, not just, it's still stepping back and admiring God and his creation, but now it's not only that, it's to remember he is my redeemer. He frees me from my oppressor. And without him, and without remembering that every good and perfect gift comes from him, I'm gonna end back right where I just was delivered from, back in slavery and back in bondage. It's an incredible picture. Some of you may know this, some of you may not, but it doesn't stop there. It wasn't just every seventh day, but it was every seventh year. Once every seven years, there was an annual Sabbath where the people of Israel were commanded to do, well, not to do nothing, but to not farm their land at all, not put their hand to a plow, not only them, to give all their slaves the year off, to give all their animals the year off. You are not to touch this ground. Not only are you not to touch it, but anyone that wants to come in and eat from it can. You, your kids, your slaves, people in the town, foreigners, and even animals, which was highly disrespectful back in that time. God's saying, this isn't your land. And you're kidding yourself, catch this, you're kidding yourself if you think that all of your hard work is what causes this ground to flourish in the first place. And so every seven years, it was a visual reminder to them that you're gonna do nothing to this and it's still gonna produce fruit. It's still gonna produce vegetation because it is my grace and my sovereignty and it always has been that causes this to bear fruit in the first place. And I invite you, my creation, to partner with me in working because here's the, the, the truth, friends, is work was always designed to be an act of worship. Always. Our work was always meant to worship the creator because he invites us to partner with him in his creative work. But we kid ourselves if we begin to think that it's our hard work, that it's our accomplishments, that it's our education, our pedigree, all of these things we do that produce anything in the first place. And God knew that. So all the way back in this time, he said, I want you to take the whole year off and see that no matter freeze or scorching heat, drought, whatever, I am your provider and it doesn't matter what you do. And then the eighth year, there's a sense of having to start all over again. They had to get new employees and I mean, it's just wild. The picture here is absolutely amazing to me. It was an active way of reminding them that they depend on him. So the purpose of the Sabbath. Yeah, it's to rest. 
for physical, spiritual, emotional, mental rest. We need that. And I'm not discounting that at all. But ultimately, it's to remind us of God's goodness and grace and sovereignty. The point of Sabbath is to remind us that God is our ultimate provider of absolutely everything. In its original intent to step back and look at his creation and realize that he is where we came from. And then in Deuteronomy and the Ten Commandments that without him, we'd be stuck in bondage and in slavery. That is the point of the Sabbath, to remind us that he is our ultimate provider. But now, today, as people that aren't born under that law, but rather are followers of Jesus, what does it mean for us? What does it mean for us to receive this gift of rest? So as followers of Jesus, I think it's a good idea to go to the words of Jesus, see what Jesus has to say about this idea of Sabbath. So let's dive into Mark chapter two. Quick context on this. Jesus is walking around on the Sabbath, okay? Jesus is Jewish. He was born into and under the law. This new covenant that we now live in is a result of Jesus' death and resurrection, which had not happened yet. So he is obligated to this law, to these rules, okay? So it's the Sabbath. He's walking around with his disciples. They're going through grain fields. They're hungry, and they're picking off heads of grain and eating them. And some Pharisees see them, and they start shouting them down. Hey, you can't do that. That's illegal. It's the Sabbath. You cannot harvest grain on the Sabbath. That's the picture we have here, okay? Mark 2, 27, this is Jesus' response to him. He says to them, hey, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. What's Jesus doing here? Two things. One, he's clarifying original intent. This was made for mankind, not the other way around. And two, he's stating his divinity. Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. One greater than the Sabbath is here. He created the Sabbath, and creation, catch this, is never greater than its creator. The Pharisees had this really bad habit of adding additional complex stuff to what God said. In regard to the Sabbath, They had instituted a complex and confusing system of Sabbath laws of their own making that were oppressive and legalistic. They set up strict laws on how people could observe the Sabbath that included 39 categories of forbidden activities. So not just 39 forbidden activities, which would be a lot, but 39 categories of forbidden activities. What were they doing here? They were making themselves lords of the Sabbath. And in doing so, they were making themselves lords over people. Isn't this cool? Like when you start looking at all these details, scripture is so nuanced and Jesus is being so specific and purposeful with what he was saying. He knew exactly what he was saying to them when he said, the son of man is Lord even of the Sabbath. He knew exactly what he was saying. So he's saying, hey, yo, look, I created it. Don't overcomplicate it. This is for you, and it's a gift from me, and you're taking it out of context. You're making it difficult, and you're missing the whole point. 
And this isn't the first time the Pharisees had heard a message like that from Jesus, if you know these stories. He's saying, like we just said, the purpose of the Sabbath in the first place is to remind you that God is your ultimate provider. That's it, that's it. It was always meant to point back to him. Look at creation, stand in awe of him, and remember that he delivered you from the hands of your uh, oppressor. And now Jesus is one-upping that. Rather than taking away from, he is adding to, and he's doing so in the best way possible. I know it's a lot of scripture. Hang in there with me. I got two more that I want to share with you that I think really bring this idea of rest and its purpose full circle for us. So let's look at Colossians chapter two. Uh, This was written by the apostle Paul to the people, uh, the Colossian people. And it's in this idea of in this new covenant, in this new church after Jesus had died and resurrected, a lot of confusion around what do we do with, with these customs and these laws and these traditions. And so here's what Paul is saying. Therefore, don't let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink. That was a big deal. There was a lot of laws about what, his peop- what God's people could eat or drink. And Paul is now saying, don't let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or here it is, a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. A shadow of the things that were to come. Today's word that we're more familiar with is an idea of foreshadowing. All of these things were foreshadowing what was to come. And what does he say? The reality, however, is in Christ. Come on. That's amazing. Paul is saying, all along, these things weren't just about doing this thing. All of these things, from the very beginning, were pointing to Jesus. A shadow of what was to come. And the closer Jesus gets to us, the bigger the shadow gets. And we're sitting here and we're staring at the shadow like, oh my God, the shadow is so huge. And we just turn around and we see the face of Jesus coming toward us. That it's all pointing to and ushering in Jesus. I think it's incredible. So specific how God weaves all of this together. So let's, let's bring this home full circle. I'm excited. I don't know if you guys are, but like this is just blowing my mind as I'm reading through this stuff. I just think it's so cool how specific he is and how much he loves us. This is all about how much he loves us. It was never about take a day of rest because I said to rest. It's because he, he gets glory. The point of our lives is to glorify him. And when we step back and go, oh my God, you're so good. Look at the trees and the mountain. The summer in the Northwest is amazing. It brings him glory to see us experience the fullness of life that he created us for. It's amazing. Okay, wrap it up with Matthew chapter 11. We're gonna end with the words of Jesus. Bring this thing full circle. Matthew 11, starting in verse 28, Jesus says this. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Friends, real rest, true rest is found in the person of Jesus. Rest is found in the person of Jesus. This whole narrative from the very beginning was pointing to him. Yes, he's Lord of the Sabbath. And now he's echoing the words of Paul and declaring that real rest is found in him. It's always been Jesus, always. He was there at creation, catch this. 
He was there in creation. He was there delivering his people from the hands of the Egyptians. And now he is here offering us a new way of thinking, a new way of being, a new way of existing. And we can find real, true rest in him. You think of other stories Jesus tells about the birds of the air and the lilies of the field. And he says, the birds, they don't worry from day to day where they're gonna rest their head. The lilies, they don't worry about how they look and how they're dressed. And if I care for them, how much more do I care for you? Humans, my prized possession, my most prized creation, how much more do I care about you? I think about the story of the woman at the well where Jesus meets the Samaritan woman at the well of Jacob, their father Jacob, deep meaningful significance of that well. And he says to her, if you drink from this well, you're gonna, you're gonna get thirsty again. But if you knew what I was offering you, living waters, you would drink of it and you would never thirst again. And now Jesus is sitting here and saying, look, you need to rest, your physical bodies need to rest have some downtime, do some things in your life that you enjoy that bring rejuvenation to you. Yes, for sure, do those things. But you're gonna get tired again. You just are. And you're gonna need to rest again. And that's okay. I built those rhythms into your life. By the way, side note, any of you guys ever slept before? Did you add any valuable contribution to the world while you were sleeping? outside of some carbon monoxide that you'd like, you know, dispersed, or maybe that's carbon monoxide unless you were. Anyhow, I don't want to distract us from the point. Sleep is a daily reminder that we are doing nothing and the earth continues to spin on its axis and rotate around the sun. God is in control. He has hardwired this stuff into us. This is amazing. And he's saying, you need rest you're gonna get tired again, but if you understood what I was offering you, a new way of being, a new way of existing, and a new way of thinking, you would receive living rest. And that's what I think is so amazing about the word Jesus uses in Matthew 11 when he says, come to me and I will give you rest. It's not Shabbat. It's not the rest that was used in the creation account or in the 10 commandments. It's a different word. It's anaposis. I probably butchered the word, but it's something like that. Anaposis. And what it means is an active and ongoing rest. The word literally means to cease from and relax in now and forever. And so what Jesus is saying is, I'm going to give you rest right now, in the midst of, in spite of. It's not like one day when you get enough time to check out and rest. It's I'm gonna give you rest no matter what is happening in your life right now, and right now, and right now, every second of every day and forever into eternity. Come on, that's good news. That is good news. If you're like me, you identify as a Jesus follower, you like this idea, and you would even say, hey, I have gone to him and I've tried to cast my cares upon him. But honestly, I'm having a tough time experiencing that rest. That's why I started off telling you, I'm, I'm sharing this with you out of conviction this morning. But here's what God has been revealing to me is that every moment of every day, we have an opportunity to take Jesus at his word. 
and as things come onto the plate that is our life, busyness, crazy schedule, demand from work, chaotic kids, like whatever comes your way, we now have an opportunity to say, you know what? Yeah, I gotta deal with it, but you don't have a piece of my heart. You don't have a piece of my soul. That all comes through my creator king, Jesus. And all of my identity, all of my self-worth, everything I have is found in him. And a realization that work is good, right? It's an act of worship. I already talked about that. But it's not my hard work. It's not my college degree. It's not my promotion. None of that stuff is ultimately the end goal because my ability to accomplish all of that in the first place is a gift from God. He hardwired all that into me. And sometimes I take myself and my work too serious and give myself way too much credit. And God is saying, not that any of that's bad, but I'm just saying don't find your purpose, your identity. Don't place worry and fear, none of that in that stuff. The world is still spinning. It's on its axis. Everything's working just fine. Just come to me, this is Jesus, and I will give you rest. And in closing up on this, two things I want to highlight about what Jesus says in there in Matthew 11. He says, come to me. And then he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. He's offering us a yoke exchange. He's saying, I'm going to take all that stuff that weighs you down. If you let me, I'm going to take that from you. And I'm going to bear that on my shoulders. And I'm going to give you my yoke, which is understanding and perspective of everything and you will experience rest for your souls. He's offering us a yoke exchange, and there's two things I think we need to do to experience that. So if you're here and you identify as a Jesus follower, or if you're here and you don't, it's the same two points for all of us, and it is this. Come to him. Come to Jesus. Cast your cares on him. But then learn from him. And I think it's the learn from him piece that maybe sometimes we forget about. And that is that active and ongoing, coming back, what do you have for me? What are you teaching me? What do you want me to know in this, Jesus? An active decision in every aspect of our life, moment by moment, to remember that Jesus is our answer to everything. And in that truth, in him, we will experience rest. And my friends, that is a gift to savor. Amen. Amen. Will you bow your heads and pray with me?